Maybe you felt chills or goosebumps. Perhaps it's an overwhelmed feeling of something bigger than you or more complex. Whatever the feeling, God put the response in your soul as a reminder of his presence, power, and glory. It's called awe, and he wants to remind us of it every day in many ways. Join us as we discover how God has used his awe to inspire others to follow him deeper in their lives. Well, Gideon was hiding from the Midianites in a pit, and the Lord appeared and says, Hail, mighty warrior. God had a purpose for Gideon, but Gideon couldn't quite believe it. And I'm sure he was looking around thinking, where's this mighty warrior at? But yeah. God was speaking to him, and it took a little bit for his beliefs to match up with God. And so I think that sounds like me. I'm sure it sounds like a lot of you who are listening. God sees us as these new creatures that are empowered to do for him things beyond our natural abilities, and he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And we're just not sure how to always connect all those. I know it's been a, a study for me to do that. Well, here to help us learn from his own way that uh, God worked in his life is Oliver Asher with his story, and he has a new book that explains all of this too called Invincible Joy. So Oliver, welcome to In Awe by Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be with you, my friend. Well, thank you for sharing this time. And so why don't we just start with your story and how this worked in your life? So Gideon is really a great example, Bruce. Um, you know, I started life in a similar fashion, just, uh, you know, very, very humble. I was born in Florida to a teenage mom and to a dad that was in prison. When I was born, he was actually in prison and decided to escape to come and see his son. So he was in Florida in the southern part, uh, traveled uh, to the northern part, to the Tampa area where we, where we lived. And if you know anything about the geography there, you had to run through something called the Everglades. Yes. Uh, they were reunited, of course, a couple months later, SWAT teams just broke down the doors and windows and took him back. And he spent the next two years in an in a 8 by 4 cell um, in the dark. So, yeah, so that was kind of be the beginning of life. And then um, from there, though, they decided to move to Virginia, uh, where his family was from. And uh, really, that's kind of, you know, uh, what I remember is just uh, moving there as a five-year-old. Yeah, we just began to live the simple life, country life, uh, down in the holler, uh, moved to a place called Rush Creek, Widener's Valley, and that's uh, in southwestern Virginia, very rural, Appalachia, you know, everything you imagine about a holler. You know, somebody asked me, how do you get to your house? I'd say, follow the hard road until it ends and then follow the gravel road until it ends. You know, and that was kind of, <laughs> that was life. We had a little trailer on the side of a mountain and just really living the simple life. My dad, mom, me and my brother and sister. And then something happened that uh, really kind of transformed uh, my life. We were living in that little trailer. The most important thing that happened to me there, Bruce, was that my grandmother, Lily, Love the Lord Jesus. That's all she talked about was Jesus. She didn't, oh. she couldn't read or write, but all she wanted to do is just tell people about Jesus, just a natural evangelist. And so she witnessed to my mom. My mom was not a Christian. And so my mom uh, believed in Jesus. And then my mom shared that good news with me and my brother and sister. And immediately, Bruce, when I heard that good news that there was a Savior uh, in heaven that came to earth, was born. The Virgin Mary lived a sinless life, died a horrible death on a cross for my sin, uh, yeah. gave me his righteousness, was laid in a tomb, rose again. I just immediately believed Bruce. And I knew even by then, you know, even uh, as an eight-year-old boy, I knew I'd already sinned. I was a sinner. 
you know, I had beaten up my brother. I'd said bad words. I even stole, uh, you know, Swiss Army nine from the five and dime. And of course, ironically, <laughs> dropped it off a swinging bridge into a river, which was justice there. So even as a little boy, though, I knew I needed a savior. When I heard the good news of Jesus, Bruce, my heart just believed oh. immediately. And so anyway, so that was the best thing uh, that happened to me. Anyway, getting back to this life. So we're living the country life. When I was 12, though, our trailer burned up. Fortunately, my mom was the only one home. She escaped. But that kind of sent us into a spiral as a family. What we decided to do, we decided to move into a tool shed. Literally had one light bulb in the middle of the room. It was uh, not a very big uh, building. It was enough. We petitioned it off into two bedrooms, a, a living area and a kitchen. It didn't have indoor plumbing. It did not have any hot water, anything like that. And so that was when I was 12 years old. We were going to live in that place for about six months, you know, save up, put a down payment on another trailer. Uh, But six months turned into six years. Mm. So we ended up, uh, you know, living in that little uh, shed and just, uh, you know, through my whole uh, kind of middle school and high school career. Wow. So, yeah, so that was kind of, you know, life again in the country. Everybody was poor, though. So, I mean, we were just, um, you know, living really the same life as all the others in the holler. And yeah. so, but uh, God at the same time had given me a talent to play football. And my first workouts were carrying a chainsaw around the woods with my dad. He would log in the summer and cut wood in the winter. And so, you know, so me and my brother were his two best helpers. So we were always, you know, just up in those mountains, cutting down trees, trimming them up, cutting them up. Yeah. And uh, so those were my first football workouts. And uh, when uh, the high school coach invited me to play football right away, I said, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd love to play that. And, and so that was ended up being my ticket out. I ended up just uh, becoming kind of a fanatic and just, you know, eating it, drinking it, uh, playing it, uh, breathing it. And so uh, fortunately, my junior year, we had a Christian coach that moved in, came really like a father to me. And my father, again, he had kind of been in and out of our lives. Uh, like I said, had a rough start, but uh, didn't see him a whole lot. And so uh, this this uh, football coach became like a like a second father to me. And so he began to mentor me and and just uh, be a good example. And and also he was a good coach. So so we went from perennial losers uh, to district champions. Wow. So literally when I was in eighth grade, you, you probably won't believe this, but we lost to our rivals 91 to zero. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's how bad football was where I was, you okay. know, where I went to school, Holston high school, uh, four winning seasons in 20 years. And so my senior year though, we won the district championship. We went to the playoffs, won the first round. And so that really kind of put me on the map. And then I also had a coach though, that again, was like a father, uh, loved me and, and really, got the film out uh, for me. And, uh, you know, that's really how I ended up with a scholarship to the University of Virginia. Just something else, uh, Bruce, that happened while we were in that little shed. When I was uh, actually a sophomore, uh, my sister was killed in a car accident. And so so there were a lot of hard times during those years. Yeah. uh, From ages 12 to 18. But you know what, Bruce? Jesus was with us the whole time. I mean, he was there. We had his peace, his love, his joy. I mean, we just, we, it was okay. You know, whatever, whatever life threw at us, whatever tests or trials we had, it was okay because Jesus, you know, he was there with us and he took good care of us. So that was kind of the beginning of life, took me up to college. 
and neither of my parents had graduated from high school. So, you know, to go to college was just even beyond their dream. They just yeah. dreamed that I would graduate high school, but God provided this um, open door through the University of Virginia to play football. And I ended up going there. Best thing that happened to me there though, was I met my wife, Andrea, we got married right after college <laughs> and began to raise a family. Mm -hmm. so that was, well, that's, that's kind of the beginning of the story. So how did then everything lead to what you're doing today? Maybe describe for people what you're doing today and the transition. Yes. So, um, Bruce, I'm the president of an organization called Advancing Native Missions, mm -hmm. and we are a missions organization focused on proclaiming the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to unreached nations in the world, to help complete the Great Commission so that Jesus will come back. And today, uh, from 30 years ago, when we were founded in uh, 1992 by a couple, Bo and, and Marlou Barreto, until today, we've grown from that couple until today, we're in over 100 countries. We are partnering with 290 Native ministries that are uh, engaging about 1,000 unreached people groups. So what we do, Bruce, is uh, we have a little bit different paradigm of missions. Rather than sending Westerners over to places that are unreached, we go into those areas that are reached closest by and we find out who is it that's already there. They're doing the work. They love the Lord. They're hardworking. They're, you know, many times all they need is some encouragement, uh, some equipping, some love, and they will just multiply the work that they're doing. So that's what we're doing. We're partnering with these native missionaries in over a hundred countries of the world to preach the gospel, especially to the unreached. And, and Bruce, that's what uh, something maybe it's a little different about us and other mission organizations is we are really uh, wanting for those people there out of 8 billion people, there's still two to 3 billion people that have never heard the good news of Jesus. They've mm. never celebrated Christmas. They don't know the savior. They've never had an opportunity to worship him. And so those are really the ones we focus on. And a lot of those people groups are in the 1040 window. That's, that's where we focus most of our concentration. Oliver, one thing, you know, in, in reading all your material that, that I really do love is the idea of how you can make the best of the money that you receive by, instead of sending missionaries over, yes, you know, building the people that are Christians in that group as the ones to lead others to Christ. Maybe go into that a little more in depth. And Bruce, going back to like, so when Andre and I graduated from college, we actually went to the Dominican Republic. We were missionaries for a year because that's the only paradigm we knew. You know, if you're going to be a missionary, you know, yeah. you go uh, somewhere. And so we had that in our hearts to do that, but we knew it was for us that time. So we came back to Charlottesville, we settled down and we were going to church with uh, this uh, brother named Bo Barreto and again, the co-founder of A&M. And at the time I was actually an engineer. I'd actually by that time had my master's in engineering, was really going down the engineering path. And then honestly, I had a dream that, uh, that I was laid off from my job. And sure enough, two or three days later, it, it happened. So right. I began to search the Lord and say, Lord, you know, will you have our attention? We were involved in the local church. We were uh, helping out in every way we could. But that's when Bo heard about my transition and said, hey, why don't you come to A&M and see what we do? And, and when I went there, they at the time, they were about four years old. This is 1996. And there are only about seven of them there. We have probably 50 to 60 today. But what I saw there, Bruce, was the love, 
uh, mm-hmm. that they had for one another. The vision, Matthew 24, 14, when the gospel of the kingdom has been proclaimed throughout the world, geographic world, as a witness to all nations, ethnos, people groups, then the end will come. Wow, what a big vision. And yeah. then, but the mission is what really intrigued me. And that was their mission to accomplish the vision was to encourage, to equip, and to advocate for fruitful, strategic Native missionaries that were preaching, proclaiming the gospel to the least reach and unreached people groups in their area. And so I was like, wow, that was a brand new paradigm for me, a brand new mission. And my wife and I, we prayed and by faith, we stepped out into this uh, lifestyle of faith. And so, and we joined uh, A&M in 1996. But Bruce, what I saw was was a way to multiply myself. And we saw that together, a way to multiply ourselves. You know, Andre and I, we were actually thinking about going to Hungary. She's first generation Hungarian American. So we thought about going to Hungary to plant a church, but uh, we prayed about it. We even wrote uh, to some of her relatives. It didn't work out. And then that's when the Lord presented the opportunity for me to to be at Advancing Native Missions. And so, Bruce, we're able not just to impact Hungary, but today, you know, I've probably been been able to travel to 40 nations, visit our ministry partners there, encourage them, uh, help provide resources for them. And they're multiplying themselves like you said, you know, they, if me and my family, if we were to, you know, move somewhere like Hungary or any other place, it'd be a very time consuming and expensive endeavor, but they're already there. They, they know the culture, the language, many times they know many languages, they know the customs and they live at the economic level of, of their neighbors. And so it really, in terms of just effectiveness, uh, Bruce, it really is just, uh, we believe the most effective way to get the gospel out today. So one one question I have, and maybe uh, this is on other people's minds as they're listening, how do you find those native leaders? Our co-founders, they had contacts, first of all, that kind of got us started in this direction, and they had been doing this for a little while before they founded A&M. Yeah. But then, honestly, Bruce, as time goes by, then we receive references over the years. We've received references and referrals and So it's actually now, you know, after 30 years, it's easy because we have contacts all over the world in a hundred countries. But Bruce, what we do is when we hear about a good work, uh, let's say we're supporting a ministry in India and they say, hey, I know another ministry over here that's doing a good work. You know, they'll introduce us and then we'll go through a vetting process with them. And so we want to know, again, we want to get to know them very well. We want to know who they are. We want to know about their work, their family, their love for the Lord, their personal testimony, all those kind of things. And so, and then we come along beside them. And we basically, Bruce, once that happens, it's a thorough vetting process. But once we come along beside them, uh, you know, we become their servants. We basically just tell them, hey, we're here to serve you. However, we can help you Mm. to reach your people. We want to do that. And so, Bruce, that's something the Lord just has now after 30 years, you know, he provides, uh, he's provided all the awesome partners that we have. Oliver, just without describing any place where my heart goes out for people that are in native countries and so much resistance in a lot of places against Christianity, are you in places where you worry a lot about the people leading? About the people leaving? Yeah, about those uh, native leaders and, and what they may be fighting from a government or, yeah. or tr- trying to do in spite of uh, the views that people have of Christianity in different countries. Yeah, so Bruce, that's a good question. So right now, my understanding there is that there are at least 65 nations that have outlawed missionaries from the West. 
Um, so how are we going to get the gospel in there? And it really is through the, you know, the local, the native, the indigenous missionaries. And honestly, Bruce, we have probably uh, less worry about this than, let's say, traditional missions, because the people that we're working with, that's their home. Right. Yeah, that's for people. That's they, they love those people. They want them to hear the gospel. And so no matter how hard times get, you know, and obviously in a lot of the world that they're having difficult times and we serve uh, the persecuted church, the suffering church in many, many countries. But no matter how difficult things get, most of the time, almost overwhelmingly, they're going to be there for the long haul. They, again, love the Lord. They love their people mm -hmm. and they just want to get the good news out. And God's just given them that passion to do that. So I think that's probably something we worry about less. As people are listening to this, what could you tell them about their own lives and, and maybe discovering what it is that, that God is leading them towards that helped you understand where God was leading you? So, Bruce, that really is a lot about what my book talks about, Invincible Joy. Of course, Jesus is Invincible Joy. You know, he provides Invincible Joy for all those that know him. Yes. You know, we have just that inner source of joy that no matter what, the trial, the difficulty, the circumstance, the pain, the grief, uh, we have that joy inside of us. And that doesn't mean that life is easy, but it certainly means that you know, our response to it is different than the world. And so I would say, Bruce, certainly, yeah, in my experience, again, I obviously had a horrible start in life, really, uh, a lot of ways was very, very difficult. Uh, and, and the Lord, by his mercy and grace, Bruce, just plucked me out mm -hmm. of the holler. He sent me to UVA. Then he sent me around the world, you know, to tell people the good news of Jesus. I mean, I have a brother who's never been on a plane, you know, and a lot of people I grew up with, they were fine being in the holler. But for whatever reason, again, yeah. in his mercy and grace, you know, he picked me up, brought me to where I am today. And, and I believe that our God is not a partial God he is an impartial God. What he's done for me, Bruce, he will do for any of us. And mm -hmm. Lord, and especially his children. I mean, he loves us. He wants the best for us. And really, I mean, all of us, he He wants to provide the, the very best for us. And and I was just very blessed to, again, to, to have the testimony of Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, the faith that I saw in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, Timothy, I see that same faith in you. So I'm just very blessed to have that faith that my grandmother Lily and my mom Carol passed on to me. And really, Bruce, all the blessings of life, everything else that has come really has come about, I believe, because of that. You know, and I believe that any person, certainly, especially God's children, those that believe in Christ, as their children, he will take care of them. He will provide the best. We have purpose. We have meaning. And, uh, you know, he just wants to reveal it to us and have us walk in it. Let's take that a step further. I'm in a tough situation and I'm fighting all the circumstances around me. What's your advice to help me get past what is happening in front of me to seeing what Jesus is really doing around me and in me? So what is important to me, Bruce, and what really helps me is really meditating on the Word of God. Uh -huh. you know, in the morning, I am affirming the Word of God. I am declaring the Word of God. And that doesn't come naturally, I don't think, to, to most humans. You know, we tend to, if it's raining outside, it's gloomy, you know, we, we tend to take on that kind of attitude. But for me, just really meditating on the Word of God and just, especially in that situation where, you know, I'm having a hard time, going through a hard time. I think about even the Romans 8, you know, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So right away, we know that we are free from sin, from guilt, from shame because of what Jesus did for us by His death and resurrection to 
2,000 years ago. You know, and again, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, victory over sin and death and hell and the devil. He's given us the victory. Going back to Romans 8 and Bruce, just thinking about that Romans uh, 8, 28, that all things happen for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And then, of course, there, when it says all things, it means all things, whether it's good or bad, whatever's happening in our lives, God has a purpose for it. And if we will trust him and have faith that he is doing something in our lives, that he's refining us, he's molding us, he's actually blessing us then maybe that'll help us to see the situation a little different. And again, going back to Romans uh, 8, uh, Bruce, you know, when I see that just in the earlier verses there between 29 and 31, that those that God has foreknown, he's predestined, he's called, he's justified, he's even glorified in his sight. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And so Bruce, he is with us through Jesus. Jesus came to live among us. He is for us through the Father. He is in us through the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that, again, meditating on that, knowing who we are in Christ, our identity, focusing on the Word of God, that is what helps me to overcome anything in life. And what you're saying, I hope we can all hear it, because it's the ringing true of the fact that you dive into God's Word and you let it have its effect, and it does change your mind. It does yes, change sir. your heart. Yes. And hopefully we yeah. can do what uh, Peter says, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow and respect your salvation. That's exactly what you're expressing. Yes, exactly. And you know, you just reminded me of Romans 12, 1 and 2 there, where it talks about yes. don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so I really do feel like, you know, to have the right mindset in every day, uh, Bruce, is, you know, we, we got to win every day. And I guess that's something God just put in me from the time I was a boy is that I'm just, I'm a winner through Jesus. I go to win every day. I Like in sports, you know, in football, you, you start the uh, two-a-day practices in August. You have a season, maybe 10 games. If you get to go to the playoffs, you play right until you get to the championship game. Maybe that's yeah. November, December. But to win the championship game, Bruce, what we yeah. have to do, we have to go back to January 1. Were we in the weight room at 6 a.m.? Were we lifting the weights? Were we right. doing the sprints? Were we working out when everybody else was sleeping? And really, you know, that's what's going to determine how well we do in two days during the season and then whether or not we make it to the championship game. So I just really am very focused on, you know, having good thoughts that lead to good actions and good habits, uh, daily habits. And, you know, when you win the day, you win the week, you win the month, you win the year, you win, uh, you win the lifetime, you win eternity. And so, you know, just a really simple approach, but something, again, that helps me to renew my mind. Bruce. And, you know, in that way, every single day, it's a new day. It's like, hey, you know, this is a day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it and just believe that he has good things. That's beautiful. I love that suffering, <laughs> Oliver. Um, yes, so sir. What can people do? How can people find your book and also find your mission, you know, the Advancing Native Missions? How can they find that and support it? Yes, sir. Thank you, Bruce. So Invincible Joy is found, uh, the easiest way to find it is through Amazon. So they can order it on Amazon. I would ask if they do order it and read it, if they would uh, be so kind to, to leave a review. And then also to find what we're doing at Advancing Native Missions, the simplest way would be to go to our website, advancingnativemissions.com. And we make it real simple to get involved. Uh, we have lots of prayer resources. Certainly prayer is the 
power in the kingdom. Uh, we certainly have ways to give. And again, these are going to be ways to give to Native missionaries that are going to that are very fruitful, very strategic. Mm -hmm. And then we also do have uh, trips for churches. Uh, we send them out. Uh, we do vision trips uh, also for others. So, so those are really the kind of the three ways we promote is pray, give, go. And then if you appreciate what you're you know, what you've seen to, to tell somebody else to be an advocate. That's what we would ask. But again, the website is advancingnativemissions.com. Okay. And I'll put that up on the website. And then, thank you. Yeah. I wanted to ask you what, what's really next for you? So right now, kind of coming up, what's in the front uh, windshield, we're going to be at the uh, National Religious Broadcasters Convention mm -hmm. at the end of May. We'll be doing hopefully a lot of interviews there and podcasts again, just trying to get the word out. And really, Bruce, I mean, the reason I wrote the book, I first of all, I thought it was the right timing. To, the Lord was saying, now's the time. But then uh, also, obviously, to give him glory through it, but really to be a blessing to the readers, again, to help them to know that, hey, where have you started? You know what? God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And just uh, believe in him, trust in him. He's going to help you. And, uh, you know, and then finally, really, is to open doors to advocate for our missionary partners around the world. And that's mm -hmm. uh, the final reason, you know, is to be able to tell people about what the Lord's doing through these Native missionaries. Uh, Bruce, we really believe that because of, again, the partnership between East and West, collaboration between Christian ministries, I mean, we collaborate with uh, ministries like Jesus Film, like we, we have missionaries on the ground. They have equipment. We work in all different parts of the world together. Then also with technology, we just believe that God, that he is ready for, for the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission 2,000 years ago, we we're saying, hey, why don't we complete it in our lifetime? Why not now? And that's really our passion, Bruce, is to, to see the Great Commission completed. That's great. That is fabulous. Well, Oliver, thank you for, for sharing all this with us and everybody listening and and just pray for God's blessings on you and, and the mission. And thank uh, you, Bruce. You know, yeah, best to you also uh, at the NRB and, and that that could just multiply everything that you're doing. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for uh, the blessing of, of being with you today. I really appreciate it. All right. God bless you. And, and thank you very much, Oliver. And you too, my friend. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.